Last summer, I got to do something I've always wanted to do. I went to auctioneer school. One dollar bid now, two now, two, will you give me two? Let's go. One dollar bid now, two now, two, will you give me two? My name's Ned Sublett, and for the next half hour, I'd like to invite you to be a fly on the wall with me at the Missouri Auction School in Kansas City, where for $425 and two weeks of your time, they'll make an auctioneer out of you. and fifties and hundreds and two fifties and I'm talking two hundred and fifty dollars or two dollars and fifty cents forwards and backwards it's a long road to hoe here for the next ten days so now boy you think about this you've got to count you've got to be able to count and it's got to come just as automatic as breathing I, I really mean it and you better today and tonight you better be practicing counting in your sleep because it cannot be thought. You can't think about it. There's too many things to be up there, whatever you're selling, to sort out in your bid taking. Then you can't be thinking, what, what's my next figure? You've got to practice psychology full time on your people. That's a full time job up here. All this other jazz that you're doing is that's got to come automatic. You're counting, you're breathing, your bid chant. That's got to be automatic. You've got to be figuring people out, out of a crowd out there. So that's got to be, I'm really going to harp on you on that. You guys, you practice that counting. That can be done going down the road in your car, taking bids from telephone poles, and just practice it. Practice counting. I'm going to sell you the eight in Ford. All right, and how many dollars? Let's go. I'm going to a thousand where? Yeah, but a thousand, thousand, nine hundred, now thousand. Nine hundred, but now thousand, thousand. Yeah, I'm a thousand, now eleven hundred. I'm a thousand, near an eleven, a twelve, twelve, a twelve. Yeah, I'm a twelve, yeah, I'm a twelve. I'm a twelve hundred, but now thirteen, thirteen, now fourteen, thirteen. Now I'm a fourteen, thirteen, fifty. Now fourteen, fourteen, now fifty. I'm at fourteen here, now fifty, fifty, we'll be at fifty. I'm at fifty, say fifty. And now fifteen, yeah, I'm at fifteen, yeah, I'm at fifteen. Sold them out, fourteen, fifty. Um. Let's sell the color television set. 19 inches and brand new in the box. I'm going to get 200 a little bit for it. Give me 200 a little bit. Give me 100 and let's run. I'm going to get 100 a little bit. 100 a little bit. 100 a little bit. Now one and a quarter. 100 here. Now 125. Now one and a half a little bit. Now 75. One and a half a little bit. Now 75. Now 85. 85. Now 200. 200. Now two and a quarter in the back. Two and a quarter. Now two and a half. We need two and a half. We need two and a little bit. Now 75. Two and a little bit. Now 75. We need 75. Give me 260 one time. 260. Now 75, sir. 275. Now 85, sir. 85. Now 300. 285 a little bit. Now 300. 300. Sold out 285 in the back. Buyer number. 38. All right. All right. There are people that constantly want to go broke in the restaurant business. Down home in the public square, they'd line up two or three times around the square waiting to go broke in the restaurant business.
because Mama has good apple pie and they are gonna get rich in the restaurant business and it's about the highest fatality business you can get into. So consequently, there's a great opportunity there for you as an auctioneer to liquidate these restaurants. And you'll find in the auction business that the other auctioneers are not your competitors. And by that, I mean, you go by the restaurant one day and you eat and you go back the next week and everything's gone and you say, what happened? Well, the guy went out of business and what did he do? Did he think of calling an auctioneer? Did he call you? No. Did you lose it to one of your competitors? No, there wasn't an auction. He sold these fixtures and equipment back to the guy he bought them from. Now, how smart is that? I always look at it like if you've got a amount of items to sell, the bigger the amount of items, the smaller the nucleus of people that can bid on that item in bulk. Now, if you take the, the mass of items and divide it out into pieces, then there's a lot of people that can buy a deep fryer or a range or an oven or some table and chairs and things like that. I went to an auction one day that an auctioneer did down our part of the country. He was a traveling auctioneer, as I called. He was going around the country liquidating a certain chain of restaurants that had gone out. And I was just absolutely amazed. We went in, and the tables and chairs, there was a table and four chairs, just like they sat in the restaurant. The whole restaurant looked like that. The table and four chairs, and I thought, surely, surely he's not going to sell a table and four chairs for one money. We got in there, he said, choice out of the table and chairs, sold them, brought $30 for a table and four good chairs, and the guy that is a local restaurant equipment fixture person there in town bought them and, of course, took them all. And now this same guy comes to my auctions and doesn't buy anything. That makes me feel good. I know that it's bringing pretty good or he'd, he'd be a bidder, but this guy's auction, you know, he would just there and didn't, you know, really care. He was more interested in having a big fancy loud chant, having his ringman yipping and yapping, putting on a big show. He was too concerned with himself to sell anything. My name is Ned Sutter from New York City and we're going to sell choice on these hog oilers. All right, who'll start me out? Would it start me out on a hundred? Would it give a hundred? Who'll give me a hundred? Who'll make it a hundred? Well, fifty then. Who'll give me fifty? Yep. Fifty now, seventy-five. Who'll give me seventy-five? He's in at fifty. Look at him. You're right. Fifty now, seventy-five. Seventy-five. Would he give me seventy-five? Fifty dollar bid now, seventy-five. Seventy-five. Would he give me seventy-five? Yeah. Seventy-five now, hundred. Seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred. Now, hundred. Would he give a hundred? Seventy-five dollar okay, now. Stop you, okay? okay. If you'll say, if you say seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred. Now, hundred. Will you give me a hundred? Seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred. Now, hundred. Will you give me a hundred? Seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred. Now, hundred. Will you give me a hundred? A hundred gets old. Okay. So. Do this, say, $75 bid now 100 Now 100 will you give me 100 okay? Instead of 100 say 100 on the end. Now say 100 up front, say, $75 bid now 100 Now 100 will you give me 100 $75 bid now 100 $75 bid now 100 Now 100 $75 bid now 100 Now 100 will you give me 100 That 100 adds a little spark to it and that gets monotonous, okay? So say, $75 bid now 100 Now 100 will you give me 100 Seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred now, hundred. Will you give me one hundred? Seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred now, hundred. Will you give me one hundred? Seventy-five dollar bid now, hundred now, hundred. Will you give me one hundred? Yep. I'm at that one, one dollar, one, one, one month here down. Quarter one, quarter, quarter, quarter one, 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 quarter one, quarter one, half one, half one, half, half, half one, half seventy-five. I have one and a half, one seventy-five. Bid it at two, 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 a quarter, 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 two and a half, two and a half and seventy-five. See, but you, you can always, if you've got your very basic, you can always go back. 
back. One, two and a half, seventy-five, seventy-five, three, three, three and a quarter. I'm bid three, three and a quarter, a quarter, here and a half, three and a half, fifty, seventy-five, four, four, four and a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, a quarter and a half, four and a half and seventy-five. Betty Potter bought some butter, butter, but she said there's butter bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought a bit of better butter, put it in her bitter batter, made her bitter batter better. So just better, Betty Potter bought a bit of better butter. Now they're quarter drill. One, one, one and a quarter, one and a quarter, one and a half, one and a half, seventy-five, seventy-five, two, two, two and a quarter, two and a quarter, two and a half, two and a half, seventy-five, seventy-five, three, three, three and a quarter, three and a quarter, three and a half, three and a half, seventy-five, seventy-five. When I was back in high school, they always have these career days and stuff like that. You know, a doctor will come in or, or a lawyer or a real estate man will come in. I thought, I've always wanted to be an auctioneer, but i just always been told unless you grew up in it and had great connections, the chances of you getting to be an auctioneer just be pretty crappy. I, I guess I really got big interested in it my freshman year in college. I really, I just didn't like school my, when I first went off. I just decided one day I had a friend come down to visit me from Sulphur Springs and I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm going to go out and try to find that Leroy Van Dyke tape. I just, I just made up my mind, well, I'm going to go try to find that tape, and I'm just going to start trying to work on being a little auctioneer. So I went out, and I spent all the one, after, one Saturday afternoon looking through Walmarts and everything else and those old tape racks for the, like the three ninety nine specials and two ninety nine stuff with Slim Whitman here and everybody else there. So I looked long enough, and I finally found it on the back of this tape with about, you know, 20 songs on it. I finally found it, the auctioneer song. There was a boy in Arkansas who wouldn't listen to his ma when she told him that he should go to school. He'd sneak away in the afternoon, take a little walk, then pretty soon you'd find him at the local auction barn. He'd stand and listen carefully, then pretty soon he began to see how the auctioneer could talk so rapidly. He said, oh my, it's do or die, I've got to learn that auction cry, gotta make my mark and be an auctioneer. $25 bidder now, $30, $30, will he give me $30, make it $30, bidder to mama, $30, will he give me $30? And I got to thinking, I go, you know, I can break this down and I, I can learn this. So when my parents were down that weekend, I, I kind of got in there and kind of sang them a little rough version of the song. And, and I guess that's really when I really got a fire in me about auctioneering. Because my dad said, "Oh, that you know, that's good." He goes, "You can, you know, you can lip sync to that sometime and and do do real good. That'd make a real good little skit for you to do sometime. You'd really like to do skits." And of course, I got so hacked off because I thought, "Oh God, if he doesn't think that I can do this, boy," I said, "Well, I'm gonna learn it, do or die now." All right, here we go, and who'll give a thousand dollars for? I'm a three hundred do now for. How many of you that are here that someone back home, someone else in the auction business said, look, Charlie, you go to auction school and when you get home, I'm going to help you all you need helped, okay? Anybody in here like that? Okay. What I'm going to tell you is you be very careful when you get back home.
okay? We are arming you with a nuclear warhead in two weeks. And these same people that told you that will probably, probably consider you the enemy. Because now you can do what they can do. You may not do it as good as they can do it, but probably you can do it better than they can do it. Because you know what they're doing? And here you go, 35 and I'm 40, and them people out there in the says, boy, listen, that old boy go. You know? They don't want to hear this. That's bad. So when you crawl up on that auction block of that auctioneer that invites you to get up there, don't you blow his socks off. You just get up there and approach it pretty keenly, okay? You'll make two trips to the auction block in one trip, your first and your last. If you get up there and try to blow the owner of an auction away because you are going to show him you're better than he is now. I'm not telling you to be bad. I'm telling you to be smart, okay? Use your brain. Now, first of all, you've got to realize the reason they want you there is because they need to use the restroom, okay? Now, let's be truthful. The only reason you're going to get up there is because they need to go to the bathroom. They're hurting at this point, but you're the only candidate out there, okay? And there you are, standing over there, just chomping at the bits, wanting to get that mic in your hand to show all the home folks. And you get up there, and he gets down, and you're up there doing this, and no one has introduced you or nothing. The first thing you do is say, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Neil Davis, and I'd like to tell you about old John here. John is one of my favorite auctioneers. He's helped me a lot. He was part of the reason I went to auction school. Now, John's going toward the bathroom, and his old knees go like that. Because John's got to turn around and come back. He can't let you die at this point. Now, you've associated yourself with John, so John's going to turn around. He will come back. John will even probably set in the first two or three items for you so that you'll do well. Okay? John's not going to let you fall on your face. John is in trouble at this point. Now, he's going to have to hold it just a bit longer. And I think that you need to be smart enough that as soon as John puts you up there and does not introduce you, you lay it on him. 
When I started in the auction business, I sold a little bit of everything. I sold automobiles two days a week. I sold registered horse auctions. I sold purebred cattle auctions, liquidations, uh, consignment auctions. I sold about 250 auctions a year just to anything and everything that people wanted to sell. And then as time went on and I got uh, uh, a couple of more bucks together, why well, I started eliminating the auctions that I didn't like. And the ones that I frankly didn't like were the car auctions. That was the one that I liked the least because back in those days, they didn't have the ventilation system and the old Smokies come in there and they couldn't shut them off and you'd go home at night with a sick headache from breathing all that carbon monoxide. And I, uh, that was the first one I quit. I was after I got to where I could start eliminating. And then I specialized strictly for years in just selling purebred cattle. <laughs> It's a man's world, ladies. It really is, and it's going to be tough. It's tough for me still. It really is. It's a hard work, and especially if, if you're interested in going into any kind of livestock. Uh, it's, a, it's a very hard uh, job to be into because you're working mainly with the men. And uh, it's not that I can't get along with them. It's just we don't always agree. Some of the most fabulous things are going on in this business, uh, and especially when we talk about artificial insemination and all, because today we're selling semen from bulls that have been dead for 20 years. I sold some semen from a bull that's been, it cost $2 when he was alive, $2 an ampule. It's now bringing $1,000 an ampule, because he didn't prove to be great until he was dead, and then after he was dead, everybody that had daughters of him, they suddenly came to the front and they were very, very popular and won all the shows and, and so on. And so that $2 semen went to $1,000. And uh, this is hard to believe, but one particular bull today, there's eight ampules of semen left in the world. He's been dead for years and years. But if you can talk him out of one of those ampules of semen, it's $200,000. It's only $25 when he was alive. And so we're selling fertilized eggs now too. See, you can freeze that semen and keep it indefinitely. We don't have any idea how long, because some of that 20-year-old semen's still good, frozen at 320 below zero. And uh, we're selling fertilized eggs now. Superovulate a cow, give her an injection to make her lay a cluster of eggs, breed her artificially, extract those eggs, and freeze them. And then when you want some more calves out of that cow, you thaw the egg out, transplant it in a donor cow, and let her go ahead and give birth. Superovulated out here just a year or so ago. We got 76 eggs out of her in one heat period. 36 good eggs, fertile eggs, that could be transplanted. Well, she couldn't live long enough to have 36 calves, yet she could have produced 36 off of just one cycle. Superovulated. Another cow uh, has 100 calves, already has 100 calves, because she's been superovulated a number of times. And we sell these eggs at some of these auctions now, these fertile eggs bringing 5,000 bucks a piece. So it's a fabulous deal.
in northern Iowa here selling out a little general store now. We uh, got our topper set right up on Main Street. The mayor said just go ahead and block the street off, and that's what we did. And rural economy has taken a real shot in our area. Uh, these little towns are, are dwindling and dying, and you hate to go in there and sell out really the backbone of the whole community is exactly what I did here. We sold out the hardware store, the implement, or the, uh, the appliance, the grocery, dry goods, all in one. He had one store there. It was a general store. And behind it, he had the locker plant, egg handling business, everything. We liquidated the whole thing in two day in a two-day run. And there just shows you another shot in the front of the topper, how we sell out of the topper there. And, and um, there's my guys working the ring. It's an autumn day, kind of cool, windy, but uh, we had a big crowd out. There's what you like to see. You see that buyer's number way up in the air there. He's giving me a good, strong bid there, and I got him right in. We sold this store. It took us two days to do it, liquidating everything. Refrigerators, freezers, washers, dryers, paint, hard, uh, all the hardware, dry goods, etc., etc. He had a basement full of antiques, old antique items that brought tremendous money, old advertising pieces. The property, however, that we sold, his brick building that you saw there, the building that adjoined it that he had his appliance store in, the locker plant, which the whole town used, rented their lockers for freezer space, plus his egg handling facility and egg buying station in the back. We sold the real estate at auction that day, too. I had one bid on that property for $5,000, and that was it. So that's how tough times are. And I don't have to tell some of you folks that you know that because you come from small communities. Houses in this little town here uh, that would be a in Des Moines would be a $40,000 home. We'll sell there for $1,500. So uh, it's, just, it's just tough out there. But the products themselves, people still have to eat. They still have to clothe themselves. They still have to wash and dry. And they need irons and they need, uh, they need uh, tool sets. So that kind of thing still sells relatively well out in rural America. But this real estate in these small towns is murderously hard to sell. Sometimes that the first person who may know that the farmer is going to quit this fall is like the co-op diesel fuel delivery guy. He may be driving out there right now this week and going to top off the two big tanks. Whenever he's in that area of the county, they always stop in and, and top off all the tanks, of course. And so as he's driving in the lane, the farmer flags him down and says, hey, just fill the 500-gallon tank, leave the 1,000-gallon tank because, uh, you know, all I need is enough diesel fuel to get through harvest this fall. Going to be lining up the machinery after the first of the year. He hasn't told anybody, but he told that truck driver this morning, see. Okay, you need that truck driver to be able to give you a call this evening, let you know that, that Farmer Jones out here was going to, uh, was going to sell out, and, and he said, don't fill out the two big tanks. Then it's pretty easy to stop in, and if he happens to be in and around the, the farmstead there somewhere, then you can introduce yourself, and you say you're out in the community and working in this area and soliciting auction sales and wonder if you happen to know of anybody that's thinking about quitting. See, and, and you can leave it up to him to expose as much as he wants to. If he's tight-lipped about it, then hey, you don't want to bring it up either, fair enough. And so you just got to handle it with kid gloves. What were you running and how has it changed? Grain and livestock. And we're still in the grain and we're not right now in the livestock, but we are getting back into the livestock. So it really hasn't changed, we've just changed our uh, way of doing things. We've reduced our equipment and are starting back up the ladder again is what you would say, really and we're just working back to where we were. What happened to force you out of the livestock business? Well, whenever you get in financial trouble in our business, the livestock goes first. To reduce your assets, they take your livestock away to try to help help make payments on the equipment. Because we had a couple dry years in a row, mm -hmm. and that just keeps piling up and piling up. 
and so you sell the livestock to reduce that. That's the first thing to go. Kept all the land, kept some of the stuff around, and sold all the livestock. How was the sale billed? Was it billed as a bank sale or as your sale or? No, just a public sale. It wasn't a closeout sale. It wasn't a bankruptcy sale. It was just a regular farm sale to reduce, to change, as they put it now, to change your farming operation. What it is is sell your stuff off so you can pay your debts and go on. What was it like getting ready for that? It was terror. It was a lot of distress on everybody. We worked a month before the sale, and it was a full month. We cleaned all the machinery up, did all needed repairs, not many. We made sure everything looked brand new. Everything was looking brand new when we sold it. It would have been representable if we wouldn't have cleaned it up, but that's not the way we operate. How did your dad handle it? Was he embarrassed? We uh, handled it the best we could, and sure, somebody's going to feel embarrassed. But it was nothing new. Everybody was having trouble and realized it. And he's a he gets along with everyone in the community. He just kind of kept to himself. We just kind of kept to ourselves and did what we had to do. How did you find an auctioneer? Uh, my grandpa's an auctioneer. We offered him the job, and he didn't want the responsibility and the worry that things wouldn't bring. And so he mentioned two buddies of his that he thought were real respectable auctioneers and we called them up and they come right over. Real nice guys. Now you're you're here going to auctioneer school. Your grandpa was an auctioneer. How would you handle a forced sale if you had to do one when you got home? Well, to the best I can. I, I can sympathize with the people and they know it because if I get the sale it'll be around home anyway and they'll probably have known that we had a sale and I'll handle it to the best I can without any pain to them. Dick DeWeese will hand you your diploma. When you get your diploma, make sure that it's correct. If they misspelled your name or anything or you got the wrong diploma, well, we want to get it straightened out. Just to light up. Here we go. Here we go. Colonel Scott Boyer. Colonel David Brown. This program was recorded at the Missouri Auction School in Kansas City. It was edited at Harvest Works in New York City and produced by Colonel Ned Sublet. Colonel Ned Sublet. And if you need an auctioneer, give me a call. Nice having you with us. Thank you. Colonel Michael Van Zandt.